First John 4.18, let's go to First John 4.18. I want to talk about God's love again today. Uh, and I want to talk about, uh, I kind of entitled this, if I can remember the title, something about gifts under the tree. Okay? First uh, John 4.18. Father, uh, we just ask you to brood over our hearts. We ask you to bear witness to truth. We, we welcome the inspiration from above that lifts our hearts, lifts our countenance into your realm, into what you have for us. We give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Uh, I'm using this as our text. There's a lot more to this in the midst of 1 John 4, of course, but we're putting a lot of emphasis on this specific part uh, and this verse. There is no fear in love. Everybody say, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. This is the way this verse reads, but perfect love, and this is the New American or the King James, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love, I gave you last week that that word cast would be drive in the NIV. Uh, it is the word in the Greek ekbalo, to dismiss. Um, it's, a very, it's a very strong, by the way, it's a very strong uh, emphasis. It's a very strong word. It, it, uh, it, it really gives us an understanding that love has a lot of power. Love has a lot of power. And it's interesting that the verse doesn't say faith drives out fear. We usually, we usually see things, preach, teach, think of those two being juxtaposed, and that's a more common thought for us. But what I was sharing with you last week, I want you to see and catch, is that the foundation for faith is actually love. And that when we're trying to grow in faith, we're trying to get more faith, we're trying to walk by faith, we're trying to be a faith person, uh, we're trying to acquire faith, we're, whatever it is by faith, if we are lacking on the love side, then automatically we will falter on the faith side. And no matter what we do on the faith side, we'll fall short until we have fully come under this deep understanding and we have received fully the love of Father. So the love of Father and perfect love, this is unconditional love, this is without strings attached love, this is without condition, this is with, with, with no agenda love. The love of Father is so powerful that it drives out fear and it becomes this foundation for faith. Doesn't that sound cool? How many of you, you want more of that in your life? Perfect love casts out, drives out, dismisses fear because fear involves punishment. Now, now I, I don't know where your mind goes when you hear punishment. Um, my mind goes a little bit like the Board of Education applied to the seat of learning. Did any of you ever, yes, some of you, some of you uh, were raised under the same board. 
This is the Board of Education. At my house, the Board of Education was applied to the, to the, to the seat of learning. <laughs> Whew. Uh, uh, and uh, so I, I, I don't know where your mind goes when we hear the word punishment, but what I brought out last week that I want you to, to think about is that punishment is not just chastisement or hardship or difficulty, or calamity, or whatever your, wherever your mind might go with punishment. But punishment is disfavor. Punishment is the withholding of favor. Punishment is disfavor. Oh, you, yeah, you, you don't qualify. Oh, yeah, not, not you, excuse me. Uh, so you're, you're not in the in crowd. You're, 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 you're you're, you're not brought in to uh, 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 those who uh, made the grade. What, what, whatever it is, if we think about this in this light, it'll help us a little bit. And, and unfortunately, before we come to the Lord, before we, before we come and receive Him as forgiveness of sin, and therefore... Uh, the pathway to heaven and uh, eternal life before we come to the Lord. Uh, this, this is the framework of our inner thought life. The framework of our, of our inner man is, as it pertains to God, it's punishment-oriented. That we're probably in trouble. That we probably have trouble coming. That... Uh, and when bad stuff happens, we might see it in that light. But what the Lord wants to do, He wants to deliver us of that perspective. And having come to the Lord, He wants to perfect us in His love. And He wants us to shift our perspective from a punishment perspective to a loving Father perspective. And he, he wants us to receive him uh, as one who has loved us from our conception. Loved us in our mess, loved us in our sin, loved us in our rebellion, loved us in our, in our running away. Love, love, he's loved us all the way through. Didn't plan for our harm. Didn't plan for our destruction. Didn't plan to punish us. And this is, this is where we begin to get into a little bit of theology tweaking. Uh, theology tune-up. Uh, the diagnosis plug is shoved under the dash. And we look and we see that you've got a couple codes flashing. And so you need a reset on a few of your theological perspectives. Because the theology that we've grown up with, the theology that we've had, the theology that has been prevalent amongst us and in the church is actually punishment-oriented. It's punishment-oriented theology. So then built into the framework, and I touched on this a few weeks ago when I talked about Wesley and I talked about Calvin and I talked about uh, Augustine 
and talking about early church fathers who gave us the theology that we have today, for the most part, the theology that we're taught in our seminaries today. Uh, I, I touched on this, and I'll touch on it again today, because I believe that it has relevance for the message today, because it has relevance for how we see Father. Uh, that theology that has been pervasive in the majority of Western theology is that, a, is that God is sovereign, and to interpret fully that God is sovereign, we have to understand that God is in charge of everything. And the theology connected to Calvin and Augustine and these great influencers is that when Jesus said it is finished, do you remember when he said it, was, it is finished? Yeah. How many of you remember that? So on the cross, just as he's giving up his last breath, just as he's giving up the ghost, he says it is finished. The theology that has been prevalent that we need a tune-up from is that those theologians have said that from that day, Satan was defeated. So when Satan was defeated, there is no more evil. So the bad things that happen to you actually aren't bad. They're actually God working out his perfect will in your life. Therefore, we have the phraseology, we have the conversation, we have the common Christian ease. How we all talk is that, oh, well, that happened for a purpose. Oh, well, just trust God. He's working something out in that. It's all right that you don't have a right leg anymore. God's up to something. Oh, you went to the bottom of the canyon? Oh, my word. I'd hate to see your car. Well, God's doing something good with you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, you didn't walk out of it. You crawled. Well, bless his holy name. Hallelujah. And so everything gets interpreted into, well, God's in control. And do you see how that that phraseology can only fit in a world where there is no devil? Where there is no curse? Where there is no evil? And essentially, you've got to take the majority of the rest of the New Testament. Jesus says it's finished. What in the world was finished? He completed, Colossians tells us, he completed, completely fulfilled the law on our behalf, nailed it to the cross, putting principality, principalities and powers to shame, doing it on our behalf so that we could enter into him and enter into his perfection so that we could receive what it is that he died to purchase when he accomplished what he accomplished and then was put to death as one who was innocent and then triumphed over death, hell, and the grave on our behalf. If you read the rest of the book... We're in a battle. Has anybody noticed lately? We're in a battle. And sometimes, uh, many times, many times, 
Many times we don't hear well. Many times we miss it. Many times we don't discern well. Many times we, we, many times bad stuff happens to us not because we're bad, not because it was God's will that bad would happen, but because sometimes we just don't catch all of what's happening in the spirit realm, which is the invisible of that which is about to come. If you caught everything that was happening in the spirit realm and knew what to do about it, which is the invisible of that which is about to come, you probably could avoid a bunch of bad. Because God is often trying to tell us what's about to come that could be bad, so we'll avoid what's bad. He's even so kind, he tells unbelievers this stuff. They call it premonitions, intuition. Right? hate to bore you with an old story, but I'll digress just for a minute. When we first started the church, uh, when we first started the church, we, uh, a family joined with us, and we had known them for a few years, and they were close to us, and we continued to walk close with them for some season, and we had children about the same age, and in those days, with these young buckaroos and buckets, uh, we would often go camping. And uh, we would, you know, go camping, and... Uh, we would participate in various levels of water sports and fun things, raising our children up uh, and, and just having fun, right? So they had three. Uh, we had three at the time. Uh, caboose hadn't come yet. And um, so one summer we planned a trip over to Arondo State Park on Highway 97 north of Wenatchee. We're going to go over there and we're going to camp for a week. And then we uh, also planned that we would go to Chelan and stay a few extra days in a condominium. And uh, so that week, this gentleman, and he was going to tow his trailer over there. So uh, I don't remember what our lodging was going to be. We were going to be in the condominium and then... But they were going to take their trailer. They had a 23-foot Terry trailer. They were going to tow it with their pickup truck over there. So that week, this gentleman had multiple dreams, at least three dreams in the night, in the middle of the night, that his trailer, I see the Rummels shaking their heads back in the back because they know this family and they know the story quite well. Good to see you, Dale and Melissa. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Uh, and so... <laughs> So he had multiple dreams that week that, uh, and vivid dreams that their trailer rolled. Well, if you were having a dream that your trailer rolled, you might think, wow, that's a weird dream. And you might even think that's kind of not very probable, right? Uh, and so, and then, but the wife was moved upon as well. The wife kept saying to the husband, honey, have you put the trailer on insurance? Do you have insurance on the trailer? Oh, yeah, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. I'll get to that right away. Well, you know, you need to call and get the, get the insurance on the train. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Uh, and so, you know, we go over to Chelan, and they're towing their trailer. And then we leave Chelan, and we're headed to our camping destination at this park. And we're going south on 97, uh, and we're following them. The wolves in their little astrovan with all of our bambinos, and then they're up ahead in their 
pickup truck with their bambinos. And then all at once, their trailer starts to swerve like this. And we're like, you know, I'm following. I'm like, so I kind of slow down. And then it swerves more. And then pretty soon it goes sideways. And then it begins to roll. And their Terry trailer rolls until there is nothing left but four wheels and a running board. I mean, there were four wheels and just a flat, you know, like a flat frame. Everything was, everything came off of that thing. And it slides in and it stops. How many of you think the Lord was trying to help him? How many of you think God is good? Now, we could, you know, we could, we could if, if, if we weren't looking at this picture from a helicopter lens, then we might say, well, this is evil. This is terrible. You know, if God is good, why does he let those things happen like that? Actually, he was trying to stop it. Hello, somebody. He was actually trying to give them a clue. A lot of times we don't catch the clues he's trying to give us. A lot of times we believe the clue too unbelievable. My trailer is going to roll? Why am I having that dream? That's sure weird. I rebuke you, devil. Go away. Could be that was God. Might not have been bad pizza. It could have been, it could have been something else was happening there. And so the trailer, now, in the providence of God, remember the story, some of you have heard the story, I just love it, it's a great story, because it shows the grace of God. In the providence of God, the trailer rolls and then stops right in the edge of an orchard. And so the pickup truck's on the shoulder of the road, and the trailer is the whole bed of it, and a lot of the debris is right here in this orchard on, you know, there's a lot of orchards there, right? And we pull up behind him, and I look up, and the sign says, New Horizon Orchards. <laughs> and at that moment, you get one of those little tingly feelings like, Oh, my word, what's going on here? Okay, all right. We're listening. And then I look in the orchard, and coming up through the rows of the apple trees on one of those four-wheel quad ATV thingy barbers, is a guy named Troy Bundy who used to be in my youth group when I was a youth pastor at Woodenville United Methodist Church. Then I'm really scratching my chin. All right, what's this all about? And we get out of the car and he comes up, Pastor Dwayne, Troy, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Wow. So in the providence of God, now listen to this, in the providence of God, how long did the angels hold the lug nuts on that rear wheel? He had forgotten to tighten the lug nuts on a rear wheel in changing out some of the parts on the axle that week. How long did the angels hold those lug nuts on? He had heard them squeaking on the trip, but didn't know what was squeaking. How long did those angels hold it on and so we could get right to New Horizon Orchard with a Christian family from Woodenville that used to be a part of our ministry? Who, who, who had empty cabins down on the river for us to stay in that night? Who had a flatbed trailer and a tractor for us to gather all the debris on? No, 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 there's one more. Listen, who had a 23-foot Terry trailer that they loaned to our friends to finish their vacation? Not making up one bit of this. The Dollaways can testify to it. The Rummels can testify to it. This actually happened. They had an identical Terry trailer 
And Papa, uh, Troy's dad, Ron, he came out and he's like, oh, this is, this is odd. Would you, would you folks like to borrow our trailer to finish out your vacation? Does the Pope wear a beanie? Got to be kidding me, of course. Okay, that was too silly. Sorry. We're talking about God's love. We're talking about how God, God knew your injuries that were coming. God, God, Father, Father is a true father over us. When we're broken, he's broken. When, he's, when we're weeping, he's weeping. When, when we're hurt, he's hurt. And though he can't always get in on the front side to prevent, to save, he loves it when we turn to him and invite him to restore us. He's there with grace to show up on the other side of every injury, every hurt, every sorrow. He's not a God of punishment. He's a God of unconditional love. And what happens is, if we see him as a God of punishment, what happens is, not accepting his perfect love keeps us working. If you don't measure up, see, it's not just salvation that is by grace. By grace you are saved. Through faith, it is the gift of God so that none of us will boast. Ephesians 2, 6 through 8. It's not just, you have to realize saved is, is, saved is a bigger work than a prayer at an altar. Saved, it's the word sozo. It's mentioned in Romans chapter 10, 8, 9, and 10. The message of salvation, the word sozo. It means to be delivered out of bondage and to be delivered into promise. It doesn't, it doesn't, we... When we have a glimpse of eternity only or, or forgiveness of sin only, we're missing the fullness of the meaning of salvation. Salvation didn't stop with you coming to the Lord, and now you just live as one who's forgiven, bumping through life, but you're going to go to heaven. No, 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 no. God wants to overwhelm you with his love. And the gifts that he's put under the tree, so to speak, are the promises that he's declared from the beginning to the end. Even the promise to Abraham is your promise. Even the promise to Abraham is your promise. We have become, we have become children of the father of faith. And so that first promise that he declared to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, 1 and 2, follow me to the land I'm going to take you to. I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. In other words, let me be your protection. Let me be your covering. Let me be your father. Look to me and turn to me. I will make your name great, and through you, others will be blessed. Through you, the nations, through you, the people of the earth will be blessed. That's your promise, too. This is, and it's, it's the promises of God. This is interesting, and this is where I wanted to go today, is that, and I shared this with you a little bit last week, thinking about 
the love of God. Love, love is demonstrated, proven, made manifest, made real, shown forth with tangibilities. This is how we love. We love in tangible ways. Joe talked about he loves to give gifts. Gift giving is interrelated to love. This is the way we show our love. This is the way we got this from Father. For God so loved, he gave. We got this from Father. This is why in the very beginning, so the tangibility of Father loving is the giving of a promise. Now, why is the tangibility of Father loving giving a promise? Because he exists in the spirit realm and you exist in the material realm. So the medium between the two realms is faith. And God doesn't give you stuff, doesn't give you outright tangibilities. He gives you the promise of them so that by faith you reach into and pull those promises from his realm to your realm. Am I making sense? And you might think, well, why, do, why doesn't God just drop this down? Why doesn't God just do this or do that or do the other thing? God is a spirit. He's not a car. He's not a cell. He's not an atom. He's not neoprene or polyester. He's not a manufacturer or a producer. Everything we have, Hebrews 11 says, all things visible have come from things invisible. This is the way he is and the way we receive from him. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, right? That's a promise. The, the, the word of God is full of promises. If you aren't acquainted with promises, then you're not opening up the gifts under the tree. If you're not opening up, if you're not paying attention to, if you're not interacting with the gifts under the tree, because he's laden the word of God with promises all the way from the front to the end, they are the tangibilities of his love for you. And then he did the biggest thing that he could possibly do in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1.20. Is it 2 Corinthians? I'm questioning myself now. Help me. Whatever it is, we found it. Is it 2 Corinthians? Huh? Yeah? Oh, good. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The promises of God, another translation says, are yes and amen to those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you, anybody, anybody hidden in Christ Jesus today? Is he your source? Is he your covering? Is he your salvation? 
Is he your redeemer? Is he forgiveness? Is he your breakthrough? Is he your victory? Guess what? From the beginning of the word to the end of the word, it's full of promises. Promises like Philippians 4, 19. He will supply all of your needs according to riches, the riches of his glory that is in Christ Jesus. Now, now, the Bible's got all these promises, but then what's crazy, we, you know, we look back historically at a canonized book, right? We're looking back at a canonized book. We're looking back at a book that was sealed and is now printed that is almost 2,000 years old. And we look back at that book and we're like, well, I wasn't Daniel. I wasn't Joseph. I wasn't Moses. I wasn't, I guess there's no relevance in the promises made to those people. But God said, I'm going to do you the greatest thing ever. I'm going to take the promises that I made to them because every promise I made to them was a foretaste of the glory that I would not only pour out upon mankind, but specifically the perfect man. And therefore, when he comes, he will qualify all of you for every promise. See, every promise is really aimed, said about, declared over, made available to him who is perfect in their generation. Anybody perfect in their generation? Yeah. Jesus. Jesus is perfect in every generation. And so if I enter into him, then he qualifies me for the promises. Now, if I, uh, and I know we got to close, we got to close. First closing. But, but look, look at the text. The text goes on. Let's go back to the text really quick. You still here? You got another minute? The one who fears is not perfected in love. Oh, boy. Maybe this should be next week's sermon. Perfected, perfected. Perf what is perfected? To become like God. To become transformed in character. To become transformed in nature. We talk about it in these terms, like Galatians 5, bearing the fruit of the Spirit. He or she who is perfected is kind, loving, gentle, patient, long-suffering, right? Do you, I don't know, I don't know if you're picking up what I'm laying down, but, but as long as we, 
As long as we're disconnected from the promises of God and we're anxious about our lives and we're not partaking of his goodness, then that creates fear and agitation and stress and nervousness and worry and jealousy. And instead of us bearing the fruit of the Spirit, we're bearing the fruit of a wrong spirit. We're bearing the fruit of an orphan spirit. We aren't convinced fully that we have a Father who loves us, who has us covered, even in our imperfection. Let's stand this morning. I'm going to ask the band to come, help us close. Are you getting anything? Are you hearing what he's saying? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Would you, would you just start inviting him? I, I, just right there where you're standing. Um, close your eyes maybe and just kind of hide away to him a little bit. Just create a little bit of a a space of connecting with him right there where you're at. I want you to let him heal uh, some wounded places in your heart this morning. I, I want you to allow him to bring that theological tune-up right now. Um, See, eventually he's going to work things out to the good. And eventually, Satan will be put under the feet of Jesus and under our feet eventually. Hebrews, Psalm 110, about four places in the Word, he says, sit here on my right hand, sit here until I make all of your enemies a footstool for your feet. Progressively, there's victory after victory. But tomorrow we're going to be in a scrimmage. Paul said we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but we wrestle with principalities and powers. And there's a little bit of a wrestling match going on. So listen, he, he doesn't want you to blame him for everything that's happening. Even when you've done your best and it came up short, even when you did your best, sometimes bad stuff happens to good people. Even bad stuff happens when we're doing our best. He doesn't want you to blame him. See, that's not... He wants you to trust that he loves you, that he's helping you, that he's providing for you, that he's covering you, that he's trying to get more of his wisdom into your heart, into your life. He's trying to give you downloads concerning the future. So, Lord, we just allow you to heal our hearts right now. We, we allow you to shift our theological perspective right now. We allow you to shift our theological perspective right now. And we, we make a shift right now inwardly to see you in love, not in punishment, but to see you in loving us, to see you in loving us, to see you in caring for us, nurturing us, building us up, edifying us, strengthening us, protecting us, 
We just make that shift right now. And then we, we, we turn our hearts toward your promises, Lord. We declare this to be a season where our eyes are opened to unwrap the promises of the Word, the promises of the Logos, the promises you've made from the beginning to the end, the promises to us individually, to cherish them, to cherish the promises, to see that in those promises, you are causing invisible to become visible. You're causing intangible to become tangible. You, you are giving us the grace, the power, the strength, the favor, the enablement to bring into our realm that which you see over us in your realm. We thank you for it. We thank you that you're a promise keeper that you are faithful to your word. And that as we leverage our faith, as we leverage our faith into the promises, we become those who taste of the tangibility of your love. We give you the praise for it this morning in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come as we close this morning. And if you're processing some of this, wow, I invite you to let somebody pray with you. If, if you're processing some theology that's being shifted right now, you're processing an injury that you thought was God, you're processing right now releasing God from bitterness or anger, frustration, misunderstanding. You're no longer going to blame him. Count it against him that some bad stuff happened in your life. Then come, come, allow somebody to pray you through some of that and encourage you in an inner transformation. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you that this is, this is a house of transformation and that your grace is on us. We give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said.